Today I have a guest, or perhaps maybe not a guest, maybe I'm more of a guest to Salmon Trout Steelheader than this man himself. Nick Amato has been the editor of Salmon Trout Steelheader and Great Lakes Angler for how long, Nick? Oh boy, it's been about 25 years now. Absolutely, so going through multiple issues each year. Um, when did Great Lakes Angler uh, start under Frank Amato Publications? Oh, I'd say it's about been about seven years it's now. Seven years doing that as well. So Nick is uh, kind of not only seen a lot and read a lot from his uh, editing, but fished a lot as well. I mean, over the years, um, you put in some serious time over some rivers. So let's talk about summer steelhead. And this is kind of a strange topic to speak about, I guess, this year because it's such a lackluster year on the coast and in the Columbia and around where you're from. But perhaps that's a reason why it's good to kind of focus in on the details. So let's talk about your home river, per se, the one that you fish the absolute most and that you live on. With that river, when it comes to summer steelhead, and I'm not even really referring to this year in particular, but do steelheads surprise you and where they hold and what they eat? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's a very um, complicated subject and a little bit difficult to answer without being a little bit more specific, but that's the beauty of fishing for summer steelhead. Um, you can use a variety of techniques. They're in the river for a long time. Uh, they migrate um, sometimes at different speeds. You know, some will, will hold lower in the river, some will shoot up high. They tend to move around and uh, uh, depending on the conditions, um, you can use so many different things to, mm -hmm. to pursue them. Yeah, so when they first are entering the river, what do you you know, perhaps in the earlier stages, the early months of summer steelhead fishing, uh, what are you going to look for a summer steelhead with? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is, uh, and I keep it real simple, is talk to my a group of fishing friends and see um, if they're in or not. Some years mm -hmm. they come in, you know, as early as late March. Some years are, they're not in fishable numbers till the end of April. Mm -hmm. And so first I will I'll find out what's going on there. Um, when there's not that much pressure on them, I'll try to seek out um, known produce, known areas that produce at that time of the year. Mm -hmm. And again, it can depend on the water level. You might, and in high water conditions, um, you're going to fish totally different um, than you might say in lower conditions. So, it's like high water, I might uh, fish out of a sled and maybe side drift form. Low water, definitely be out of a drift boat or from shore. And then even in high water, there's certain areas where you um, can find them. From easily from shore too. Yeah, so it'd be kind of a similar game plan to like spring winter steelhead fishing. But now when it moves into these deep dog days of summer and we've got really hot weather, um, warmer water temperatures, what can you do? Say, you know, I would say on a year like this year, it'd be really tough and it'd be better to focus, you know, farther down in the rivers, I would say it at this time. But if there's more fishable numbers of summers in the year and there's, there's fish around, but You've got people floating on tubes like you've got all the time. How would you start to target those really low clear water summers? So there's a number of different things that I would think about. The first one would be to get out there early in the morning, like mm -hmm. right at daylight or just before daylight and, uh, and kind of know 
where some pods of fish might be, maybe in the holes near um, either acclimation points or near the hatchery or in places maybe below an island where there's deeper water and it's holding the fish up because they don't want to go through those channels in the low water. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and if the water gets warm enough, sometimes they will move into uh, choppy water or riffles. Um, so it would depend. And then in then the evening, now uh, it's definitely not going to be as good on a sunny day with uh, uh, float, people floating down the river on... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on rainbow-colored rafts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but if if you were to try to have a shot at them, what would you do if you knew there was a couple steelhead that been rafted over, you know, forty-two times, but it'd been an hour since that had happened? So, in those situations, um, you know, you're going to be better off in the chop. I'd go look for places above where the most of the activities. Um, gone through or get below like at the bottom of the drifts mm -hmm. where the activity's not as high but I have caught um, summer steelhead in this on a sunny day right between the rafts you know either using a you know jigging a float or different types of baits or mm -hmm. uh, you know in these days everybody's using the, you know shrimp absolutely so what about um in the chop, what would you do for those fish that are in the shallow water? Well, what I used to like to do was take a, say, a size three spinner, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe take a, a dark marking pen and uh, maybe color up half the blade or uh, color uh, darken out like the back side of the blade sometimes, and uh, you know if the body's shiny, kind of dull it up and then mm -hmm. uh, sweep that through the riffles. And uh, it may not be as effective as certain types of bait or jigs, but it, and when you get a strike, it's a lot more fun because they, mm -hmm. they really, sometimes they'll chase it, grab it, and turn and run. And uh, if you're using a light rod, it's really fun. And sometimes you can see them chase it uh, some distance, especially in the low clear flow of, uh, of summer. And even if you don't get bit, just having one chase it, you know, it, seven eight nine twelve pound rainbow in crystal clear water on a sunny day right there running right up to your feet and then turning around and boy if they grab it all the better because boy they're going to take off oh and, yeah uh, you're going to be screaming with joy yeah now what about when uh some of those uh early fall chinook or a run coho start showing up what do you see happening with the steelhead well, the coho don't seem to bother the summer steelhead as much. In fact, when the coho show up, sometimes the summer steelhead are actually going on a better bite because uh, at least those early run fish in some rivers, uh, the water temp will drop. Literally, the nighttime temps will go down, the coho will show up, and it seems like at the same time, some of the stale summer steelhead that have been schooled up in deep holes will uh, reactivate and start moving around, and then maybe even some fresh ones will come in. And uh, so they seem to, uh, you can catch coho and summer steelhead at the same time, uh, and it's very calm, especially you know in September in some rivers. Now the kings, that's a little bit different story. The uh, you know some rivers you got your summer kings and, and spring springers and then fall fish and they some of them will tend to start spawning in September and if there's a lot of kings around you probably aren't the steelhead will either be at the very back or front end of those pools or they will they will leave because the the kings tend to disturb them mm. the summer steelhead. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So what about those early coho? You live in an area that has those A-run coho that are very difficult to get to get on the chomp. So what are you going to start doing in those cases? Uh, well, so again, it, the, the one can't miss technique is to beat everybody to a good spot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I mean, that's as old as time, but um, mm -hmm. it does happen to work sometimes, especially if you're using a method that may not be as effective as other methods, but a method that you enjoy employing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the if you're there first, you might get the two fish that would have bit anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you could strip a fly across the top of them or um, throw out a big spoon or spinner and, and you might get that one fish, which could just totally make your day. Whereas if you got there an hour later and there's five, six guys on the pool and they're uh, throwing everything at them, they put down those easy biters. That's why oftentimes you'll, you'll have like spay fishermen and fly fishermen want rested pools or you know mm -hmm. they want uh, want their own water because they're looking for those aggressive fish and, and that they can be put down quickly if you're uh, if you're pounding over the top of them mm -hmm. but then with that said um, you know then I'll just go to uh, whatever seems to be working for that time of the year um, one thing I've been using a lot lately are uh, you know spinners of different types um, so I just enjoy fishing in a spinner. Uh, a twitching jig may work a little bit better, so I'll use those, especially midday. The, the trick with this twitching, I think you get the same amount of bites on a spinner versus a twitching jig. Um, and then, of course, you throw the plugs in there too. But with the twitching jig, the coho come up and they don't necessarily grab the lure very hard. They kind of suck it in, spit it out, suck it in, spit it out. But when you're twitching, you'll you'll hook those fish because mm -hmm. if the jig's going up and down the oh you mean to the top you mean with the spinner because you said with the jig yeah yeah so you yeah, mean with the, with the spinner they won't yeah hit with it. the spinner they will grab it and you won't feel the bite really so sometimes you have to literally feel for the blade to stop spinning to feel then set the hook immediately yeah i've watched this from tops of pools from alaska down here all over the place and look down into holes full of coho and you could see guys just hooking or getting one bite after another and not mm -hmm. catching anything. I'm just watching as wow, that guy had three bites on that cast and he never set the hook because he didn't know he had a bite. Wow. So though, especially those early run coho, the late runs too, um, bite like that sometimes, but they're not just going to grab it, turn and run away, you know, with your perfect bite. They are very uh, touchy. Now again, the twitching jig kind of takes that out of it because yeah. by twitching you're going to hook but those But it still fish. happens. It certainly happens. Oh yeah, it certainly will. You won't feel it and they'll, they'll let it go. But Yeah, that's interesting. So for the A-run coho, you are saying that sometimes when they do bite, they're just biting extremely lightly. Right, right. And again, that's with like spinners and then you got your twitching jigs. And then, I mean, if you have to in the rivers where it's legal, uh, you know, a lot of guys will switch to bobbers and eggs. And if you get that tuned in properly sometimes that's what you have to do to catch a fish mm -hmm. some of these rivers with the hatchery fish that are tough biters yeah totally so but uh that time of year you know coho kings summer steelhead that kind of august september time what's your favorite thing to do um so locally anyway i mean obviously my favorite thing would be to Maybe go to Alaska somewhere, but um, <laughs> yep, of course. <laughs> but uh, locally, I would say I like to pursue those late season summer steelhead. There has been there have been times where 
they have piled up in certain rivers that I fish, big schools of them, Not obviously not this year, but in the past, and I've located them, and then, you know, by June, July, um, people aren't fishing for them anymore, and they're still beautiful fish, you know, they can get into the high teens and schooled up, they'll be over flats in certain holes, and uh, and then when no, if nobody's around, you can go up there and use a variety of techniques, including, um, you know, little spinners or flies or uh, fly rods with indicators, mm-hmm. what have you, and uh, catch a few of these fish. They actually fight as well or better than an early run fish because they're mm-hmm. just rested up sitting there, and they, they got a little bit of red on them usually, but mm-hmm. still beautiful fish. And and then you can mix that trip up with floating down the river and then uh, pursuing the coho if mm-hmm. they happen to be in at the same time. So that so would those, be like the perfect trip where you've got a mix like that. So those late run fish, maybe before the before the rains hit, um, what type of water are you looking for? What part of the river? So for steelhead? For yeah, for the later steelhead. So the later steelhead, mm-hmm. they and we're ta- and I'm talking about Scamania hatchery summer steelhead mm-hmm. here. They in general will end up a, a high percentage of them either near near wherever they were acclimated or planted. Mm-hmm. Now they won't all go right there. A lot of them will stray and they'll be all over the place, but in general you can start hunting near those areas and then work your way out. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the situations I'm talking about were near acclimation areas or, or the hatchery mm-hmm. and then maybe, but maybe up to a mile away and then in this, in the, what I like to do is maybe float down the river and you know just playing around, but look into all the holes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can see the schools of summer steelhead, or you can see them spread around certain flats. And it's like, okay, well this year they're in spots A, B, C, D, and E. Mm-hmm. So then I'll know, okay, they're hanging in this general area of the river, and then go back. And, and I've done it so many times in certain rivers, I already know where they're where they're going to end up, and mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily in the the two pools right next to the hatchery. And then there's other things that can happen, like say you've got a uh, a river that has a large run of fish going further up it, but the water gets warm in the summer, and some of those fish could dip into a cooler, lower trib. So maybe the first two or three miles of that trib is full of fish. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of places on the Columbia where this happened in the past. Um, you know, and what we're talking kind of talking about here is the Clackamas River. Sometimes the lower Clackamas River will have Sandy M and Mackenzie upper Willamette mm-hmm. fish dip in. Interesting. And depending on the water temp, sometimes are difficult to get to bite if the water temp gets high in the lower Clackamas, but mm-hmm. um, but but if you hit it early in the morning, sometimes you can have some really good fishing and nobody around. So all yeah. these situations are very low pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year it'll be no pressure with the amount of fish around. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's there's people who are you know if you're if you're really familiar with the holes and the rivers and the runs, there are people getting them, but they're having to put in a lot of time that in past years they never had to do. Right. So here's the most important thing. I really got serious about fishing, uh, really serious in the 90s, and those were low return years. So um, I learned that it's probably the most important thing is to work hard to catch a fish that you're going to remember. Those are the days you're never going to forget. If you worked hard, maybe sometimes work hard two, three days, Mm -hmm. all day, fishing. I mean, I used to hike... uh, hike rivers from daylight till dark, you know, mm-hmm. 
and, and, and looking for that one great grab. And, uh, you know, and then the fishing got a lot better and techniques got better. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're catching multiple fish and you're, you're shooting for numbers and everybody's getting a little bit spoiled. Mm -hmm. And it, I always go back to thinking that, you know, geez, it's, the, it's just the special moments and the ones that you worked really hard for that can mean a lot more. So, say you made your own spinner and you just wanted to catch a fish on that spinner you made. Mm -hmm. Your buddy goes out with shrimp, catches five steelhead, and he's like, ah, oh, why don't you use these mm -hmm. shrimp, you know, I'm catching all the fish, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you, are, it's going to mean a lot more to you to catch that one fish on a spinner you made. For sure. Yeah, that's, there's a special connection with different techniques that we do and different things, but you're a pretty pragmatic fisherman, I guess, over the years with, with gear and fly and everything. So where do you kind of, you know, if you have your druthers, what do you, what do you prefer to do? Uh, well, I, that's a really complicated question again to answer, but, um, I mean, if I could just do anything and then I'd probably get tired of it for a while, I would just catch, um, B run, summer steelhead on dry flies <laughs> yeah. preferably with an upstream dead drift yeah with that hand tied fly or maybe a traditional fly mm -hmm. tied by somebody famous you know but yeah. uh, that aside <laughs> do you think you could get tired of it uh, you probably would if it was too easy yeah so the yeah. whole idea is um i remember one time i was super excited um I crawled and scratched my way into an upper tributary trying to find wild summer steelhead up on the mm -hmm. peninsula and I I finally found this air clear pool below waterfalls way in the middle of nowhere no trails nothing mm -hmm. uh, so here's all these wild um, summer steelhead and no I got way. one to come up to a dry fly that's it, a fish would have one fish would have bit anything you put in there yeah and then it was over because it was just crystal clear and those fish scattered like you couldn't believe they didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. But um, anyway, that was pretty cool. But wow. I'll tell you what, just uh, probably the neatest thing on earth would be to just get off work, hit two holes on the way home, mm -hmm. and pick up a fish every few days. I mean, it's pretty hard to top that. For sure. any technique. We are so blessed to live where we do. Um, me being in Woodland, you being over here, I mean, so much access to different places like that and all it takes is one good steelhead year but i do not mean to decry fishing by any means because we have phenomenal salmon fishing going on here the ocean is off the hook for coho right everything's looking good for kings so we've had these difficult years of steelhead but what how do you look at the salmon runs these days well they've been fairly solid in the columbia river mm -hmm. and uh, apparently the ocean conditions are are good off of Northern California, Oregon, Washington, they're um, catching limitless numbers of uh, coho right now, yeah. and hopefully that's a sign of uh, good things to come. Well, I'll tell you what, I saw one of those A-run football upriver fish the other day. Um, it was nice to see, you know, those one yeah, two years. Yeah, absolutely. Those are yeah. some of the, those fish are going to travel a long ways, and if you catch them in the lower river like that, mm -hmm. a lot of fun. And you fished them all the way down from right near the ocean all the way up to how far have you fished summer steelhead basically to where do they where they well, stop or? i just you know yeah snake clear water up that way i guess mm -hmm. yeah so maybe a little further up pretty incredible fish as far as timing goes and all that um, stuff what would you say for steelhead kind of your favorite 
five year period or stretch. Well, absolutely. So I went through the 90s and then uh, in about the year 99, for sure 2000, the, the numbers went off the charts and uh, all those, all that hard work I put in in the 90s uh, really paid off and able to catch, okay, almost catch Summer Steelhead on command. There were so many. Yeah. And, uh, that was, I got to say, that was pretty fun. Absolutely, man. And uh, so a pretty special time period that was approximately four years after the flood, correct? Was it 96 yeah, flood? Yeah, there was a 96 flood. I'm not do you think sure that had anything that, to do with it? It, it may. It I'm not have. really sure how that would have affected things, but because it was... Um, Perhaps predation? It was, it was coast-wide. I mean, it happened yeah. all the way from Sacramento to... Um, well, I wonder if that just flushed every bit of fry and such out to the ocean without any predation, because the birds can't get to them. It's possible, and I've definitely heard that... that uh, that theory expressed many times. Who knows, but it would be nice to have it back, but I, I, in the meantime, you know, scratching around for the steelhead, and then we've got phenomenal uh, Chinook and, and coho fishing to do. So when it comes to fall Chinook, is that something you enjoy doing? And if you do it, what do you do for them? Um, well, again, there there's so many opportunities. It, you know there are there are some issues with some of the runs because of the the drought we've been having for some time now but um boy you've got so many opportunities so you can um pursue them in the smaller coastal streams you can pursue them all up and down the columbia river mm -hmm. you know from here they're in just about every uh tributary so i guess i try to maybe attempt to pursue ones that um you know, because some of them, you know, darken up fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. Pursue them in different areas where they're still um, feel like you could eat one. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of seek that out. I guess you would say. Yeah. So the lower river fisheries, and, uh, and bays, and stuff. Right, right. But you know, depending on the run, like the Columbia, for example, those fish are traveling a lot longer, so they stay nice for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So I guess I look at that, and then you know, obviously try to catch a big one. Everybody wants to catch a fifty pounder, so think <laughs> about that a little bit. Yeah, so what um, are, where where'd the 50-pounders go? What do you think? Well, I think that we're just in a big cycle right now, and Tillamook Bay used to always have uh, have good-sized fish, so I'm sure uh, there's still some, and I'm sure they'll be back in numbers again at some point. Mm -hmm. And uh, shoot up in Washington. What uh, what's, what's a good river up there for big ones? Well, I mean, even the Cowlitz and Lewis had giants as of six years ago or something yeah yeah so i mean you could catch a big you can still catch a big king just about anywhere just the average size seems to yeah. be smaller right now but um they're still out there definitely bigger on the washington coast as you get up the peninsula it would seem but yeah mm -hmm. but i really love the grab of one taking like a, a plug of you know a, mm. a wrapped plug i really like that strike yeah. or back bouncing and feeling I, I guess i like to feel the bite for sure yeah Back bouncing, that is a Because, uh, you know, technique. big fish like that can really crush something. Well, yeah. Speaking of which, um, you know, Nick has done a number of videos with STS for, you know, going back a couple decades here. And uh, one of them, River Kings, is on YouTube. You can watch the entire thing on YouTube. I would definitely recommend checking out the Salmon Trout Steelheader YouTube channel and watching River Kings. And uh, when approximately was that a uh, filmed 
Um, boy, I don't know exactly. Something like 205, maybe. Mm -hmm. Something like that. And you were doing a lot of quick fish and back bouncing and things like right. that. Right, yeah. So Most of the methods are covered, and um, there was some really good fishing going on at that for period sure. of time. Yeah, yeah, some powerful fish, and looks like a lot of fun. That was kind of in the heyday yeah. of quick fish yeah, and madness. We were fishing with uh, Chris Olson in that video, who's. Mm -hmm. uh, um, his son's on the cover of the current issue. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that was good. And then there's also, you know, the side drifting for steelhead, the drift fishing for steelhead, the STS classics, we're calling them, and they're up on the YouTube channel now. So uh, if you guys could comment and uh, let us know what you're thinking of our uh, podcast, and we thank you for your likes and comments. It's a great way to just support easily. And to those of you who are subscribed to the magazine... And to those of you who are subscribed to the magazine, we want to thank you so much. And uh, go ahead, subscribe to the podcast, leave a like. We appreciate all of you. And hey, Nick, thanks for uh, chatting on the podcast here. But we're going to have some video content coming up as soon as Nick gets freed up from some of his work here. So Sounds good. Yeah, enjoy talking with you, Lucas. For sure. This episode brought to you by fishfield.com. Go take a look. Amazing Daiwa selection and products. There's new products for 2021. Fishfield.com. Thanks again, folks. Take care.